0: Welcome to Crossroads Church in Rowlett. We're so glad you're here. Join us here for our weekly sermons or visit crossroadsrowlett.org for more information. Rally cry, the idea of people coming together and passionately proclaiming that they will fight for a shared cause. A rally cry involves a sense of desperation As Gideon and his 300 men prepared to face a seemingly impossible battle, they gathered together and shouted a rally cry in desperation, knowing that the battle was the Lord's. A rally cry requires core values. These are the things we are fighting for, proclaiming, and the hills that we will die on no matter what comes. A rally cry requires togetherness. Together, we can commit to our core values that will rally us to stand up in a culture that seems to bow down to everything. Church, it's time for a rally cry. All right, good morning, Crossroads. All right. Today we're going to continue in our series Rally Cry, the hills that we will die on. And we're talking about our core values, the values that we feel give God the most glory. And these are what we're going to carry out as a church. You know, so one of the hills that we will die on has to do with connections, right? We want to connect with you. We want to be a connection church. But as the connection pastor, I kind of feel that this sermon today is loaded, right? And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you have a job and you can't tell why that job is important, you're not going to have that job for very long. So y'all just sit back while I work on a little job security right now. <laughs> OK, God created us for a connection. God created us to represent who he is throughout all of creation. You know, we don't serve a God who creates everything and sends everything into motion and say, hey, figure it out on your own, right? We serve a God who created us in his image for his purpose. Um, Let me talk to you a little bit about uh, when we talk about the image of God. I want to first talk to you about this ring right here on my finger. Uh, Gavin and I have been married for 20 years, and um, I want to tell you that this is the first ring that when we got married on our wedding day that she gave me, but in actuality, this is the third. Let me tell y'all how I lost the first one. Hey, y'all pray for me. I, life is kind of hard for me sometimes. Um, <laughs> this is the third ring. All right. And let me tell you how I lost the first one, right? So it was about a year after we got married, and we went to Alabama, well, down to Mobile. And in Mobile, you fish. That's what you do. We fish a lot. So it was me, and my brothers, and Gabby, and you know, we would take Pringles and stuff on the fishing trip, you know, so that we can fish and then probably do a little halftime, eat some chips, this and the other. But we took Gabby with us, and Gabby said, look. Y'all got to have some wet naps. Y'all can't be putting your little fishy hands in the Pringles cup, right? All my years going to man school, I never heard that. Right? You fish, and whatever you got, you get it, you eat, you're a man. But nope, Gabby came. So I went in there, and I, I was fishing, because I always call it feeding the family. So I was feeding the family. And then uh, I had to wipe my hands with the wet nap. Ring fall off. We were on the pier. Hits twice. Boom, boom. And when a traumatic experience happened, Everything happens in slow motion. That sucker went boom, boom, bloop. Now, get this. Gabby never wore my ring. Gabby was never in possession of my ring until she gave it to me, right? I always had my ring. And so you would think that people would be concerned about me. (laughs) Me and my brothers look up at the same time. And they don't look at me. They look up at Gabby. <laughs> it, went just like I, it went just like that. And my oldest brother said, ooh, she's going to kill you. <laughs> right? And so having this ring, it represents Gabby and I's union. And when I wear, when I wear it, it represents Gabby. OK? In the Old Testament, when a king would have a signet ring, He would give it to someone to represent him. So what he was doing was he was giving that person his authority. All right? God created us in his image and gave us purpose, but he also, we are God's signet ring to all of creation. And God wants man to rule over all of creation. First Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You see, throughout the Bible, we see God interacting with mankind to help him accomplish his goal. God wants man to be to creation what he is to everything. He puts us in charge. He wants us to rule. He wants us to, uh, to subdue. He does this through this thing called relationship. And this is what it means to be connected with God. But not only does God want us to be connected with him, but he also wants us to be connected with each other. It would be pretty kind of hard to be fruitful and multiply and subdue and do all of this other stuff alone. Y'all have households. It's hard to even run your household alone sometimes. Right? And imagine all of creation. We can't do it. So the responsibility that God has given me and that he has given you is that we live together in this sense of unity. We need each other. Connection also brings us together because it helps us to understand each other better. What's the biggest testament to what God is doing? Is it bringing a bunch of people together who are alike, or is it bringing a bunch of people together who are different? I want us to just stop for a minute. I want you guys to stand up, look around, right? And I want you to see what God is doing right here in Crossroads. And I want us to celebrate the fact that we are different and that God has called us to be different and that it's a good thing. So let's give God the glory for bringing us all together. <laughs> you, you, You better bring them cowboys together this day, I'm telling you. Okay, there are no two people who are exactly alike. We are different. We live different. The things that motivate us, different. What if I told you that I was the biggest introvert that you would find, and nothing I like better than, than reading a good book and spending some time alone with my thoughts? I don't even believe that, but I'm not, right? I'm an extrovert, man. I'm not to the umpteenth degree. I'm up here with it, right? And the reason I wanted to be an introvert, because it seems so peaceful. I mean, think about it, right? You get your little book, get your little time. Ah, Peaceful. It wouldn't last long for me. Not long at all. Because being an extrovert always gets me in trouble. Why? Because I'm loud. I don't have a sense of people's personal space. (laughs) I don't, and I'm I'm not gonna look down at my family because they—they're shaking their head because they know I bother them all the time. I can't help myself; it's hit me, right? And again, I'm loud, but but I have to understand though that people are not like me, and I have to understand that we're all different. Right, okay, I was reading this article, right, and this is what it said. It was called the 10 church things that alienate introverts. And I want to be mine because I, I got this job. I want to make sure that I'm doing good, and I, people, not everybody's like me. All right, so I said, let me read about it. This is what the person said. It's called overly enthusiastic greeters. Happily, most churches understand the importance of greeters. After all, the main church doors are an ideal place to welcome new and returning people. But a boisterous greeter can scare off incoming introverts, especially if the greeter is too enthusiastic, especially loud, or peppers people with questions. Introverts like conversations with people that they know and trust. And too much enthusiasm or a barrage of questions while the introvert is trying to navigate inside and find a seat just makes him feel uncomfortable. And that's me. (laughs) Now, but I want you to understand me too. I think connection, we got to understand each other, right? The goal of connection here, and the goal of connection here for me It's not to let anyone feel uncomfortable. That's not my goal, right? My goal, when you come through those doors, I want you to know I see you and that you fit here. That's my goal, right? But I have to do that in a way that is received, right? Because if you don't receive it in that way, then I'm just being annoying. And I don't want to be annoying. Connection is so important because we learn how to understand each other better. I want you to imagine in uh, Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. And if you don't know the story, what happened was that the people tried to create a tower that was so big that they thought that they could reach up to God and they wanted to be their own God. They wanted to make their name great. So what God did was he came down, confused their language, and then sent them out, and that's how we get our nations and everything like that. But I want you to imagine now the Tower of Babel in reverse, right? What if... God called those people back into a kingdom, but not to make their name great, but to make the name of His Son Jesus great. How will we receive them? Because that's what He's doing. right? We have to be willing to understand where they are coming from coming from, and put forth an effort to, to let them know to, let, to meet them where they're, where they're at. Let me say that again. We have to be willing to understand where they are coming from and put forth an effort to meet them where they're at. That's the church. But also with connection, it also helps us to be accountable. Okay, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says: As iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. The idea is it's like refining, it's like refining a like thing, refining a like thing by removing impurities or unwanted elements that will make a sharp edge dull. All right. You're doing ministry, right? You're doing ministry, right? And you're telling people, hey, you need Jesus in your life. You need to stop spending your money on things that don't bring a benefit. You need to pay your bills, you know? All of that ministering to people. You need to stop watching so much TV. You need to clean up your room. Man, you're just getting on my nerves right now. Right, All of that ministry, right, it, it, it's good stuff, but the impurities, it makes the edge dull, right? And so in order for that edge to be refined, right, you have to get it so that you have light thing sharpening a light thing. Because it didn't say titanium and steel. It says, it says iron and iron. It didn't say titanium and iron. It says iron sharpens iron. A light thing sharpens a light thing. And we all need to be refined. You have to have somebody in your life that's refining you, that's bringing you back to what God has called you to be. So I ask, who do you have in your life that's refining you? And I want to kind of remove this, because I see my boy licking his lips. And he thinks that these are going to be his after this sermon, right, because he want to get a job at Medieval Times. Yeah, put that back. Sorry. But you have to have somebody in your life refining you, right? But sometimes we have replaced having relationship with things like self-help book, um, uh, staying busy, or extended times on television. We have replaced relationship with these things. So I want you to imagine. Some yeah, It's the mid-80s. Early 90s, Thursday night, you have just got off work. You might be feeling a little lonely. Sit in front of your TV, and this comes on. Give me some water, because y'all didn't know I had these pipes. (laughs) Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure will help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where people see. Troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Y'all, this is a song about a bar. But if you think about it, you listen to the lyrics, it really could be a song about the church because I'm going to tell you what's the appeal because people have such an appeal and they want to draw you in. If I can appeal to your sense of loneliness, you're going to watch this TV show because you're going to know you automatically fit here in this bar that's imaginary, and you're just going to keep watching it. You don't have to call your... I'm going to hang out with you. hanging out with the Cheers cast tonight, Right? But imagine if the church was like that. We had that appeal. That we, we, we know your name and you automatically fit and we treated you that way. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't you be ch- singing those songs about a, a bar? We need to be singing a song about the church. We also have replaced relationships with the very thing that was created to bring us together. But what they do is they isolate us even more. You know, too much time on social media platforms like Facebook and TikTok can first cause stress. You say, well, I don't feel stressed out, Titus. Yes, it can, because I was thinking about this, right? It stressed me out this week, and I'm going to tell you how. OK, if you look at someone, the stress in someone else's life, you kind of internalize it. You can make it your own. It ain't yours, it's theirs, but you can make it your own. If you look at the stress in the world, You can make it your own. Happened to me this week. Nick Saban left Alabama. Stress me out. (laughs) On every social media, I was looking and kept looking at it, like, man, what we going to do? Stress me out. Stress me out. Right? But it also can cause pressure for you to compare yourself with someone else. What we need to start doing, right, is posting our problems on Facebook. We only post the good stuff, cute dogs, cat videos, stuff like that, vacations. Don't do that, though. People still rob your house when you're gone. (laughs) But we only post the good stuff, right? We never post the bad stuff. And so people look at this and be like, man, I can't live up to that. I can't live up to that. Look at the house. Look at the cars. Look at the trips. You eat it up. But, it's, it's, it, but it's, it's a facade. It's not true, because we all have problems. But we don't see everybody's problem, especially when we're trying to compare ourselves to someone else. And then this causes depression, because you go under. man, why my life ain't like that? Why I don't have those things? Why I don't have that relationship? Why I don't fit? You get depressed. And then you keep sliding down to this thing called isolation. Because you don't have all of that stuff, you don't want to be around people who you think do. So you isolate yourself because you think that you're different and something is wrong with you. And that's a lie. Let me tell you, let me, let me read this scripture first. Matthew chapter 18, verse 12 says, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hill and go and look for the one that wandered off? You know why the good shepherd goes and looks out for the one? Because that's the sheep that's in the most trouble, right? That's the sheep that's in the most trouble. If I can just get that sheep away from the herd, Same thing's the same way. If I can get that person away from the church, and I'm not talking about the church, the building. I'm talking about the church, the people. If I could just get them away, got them. And I'm just going to pause right there for a minute because I have to be myself. I kind of think or thought along the lines of a wolf when I was trying to get Gabby. Because we were at a game night one night, and she was just mingling among the sheep. And I was watching. Because I knew eventually she would have to go get something to eat when <laughs> I waited. But she must have had a good conversation going on, because she talked a long time. <laughs> and there was a lot of the sheep, I mean, a lot of the wolf in that room. But them wolves didn't have my own, when I have my own, because when she moved, they would have moved. But when she moved, I moved. And I waited. Because I knew all that talking, she would get thirsty. <laughs> I was right. So I made my move. The wolf. I learned from that. Y'all need to start watching National Geographic, too. Maybe you <laughs> bachelors out there get you a wife or something. Man. Let me tell you, there is nothing that can replace relationship. Because that's what we were made for. We were made for a relationship. So don't let all of this other stuff take that away. Get into a relationship with like-minded people who are going to grow you. Also, connection is a benefit. I grew up with this thing, this phrase. We called it the hookup not to be confused with hooking up. That's a whole nother sermon all together, right? And when I was a kid, right, let me tell you, it was this lady, her name was Miss Barbara Ann, and she lived in our same neighborhood. In fact, we played with her kids, Miss Barbara Ann. She was the coolest lady. Everybody knew Miss Barbara Ann, right? On a rainy days, she would give us rides to school. Miss Barbara Ann was cool. But if you are a person who likes to hook up, like me, right? And hookup means, you know, somebody looking out for you, giving you a little something extra. Like that fry sometimes you get at McDonald's, you know what I'm talking about, hookup. Right? Miss Barbara Ann had the coolest job for the hookup because Miss Barbara Ann was the lunch lady at our elementary school. We would, okay, let me explain to you how it worked, right? We had the, the vegetables, the, and we had the, what is it, the grains in the vegetable line? We had the meats, right? And then at the end, We had the desserts, so wherever Miss Barbara Ann would be, she would always give us extra. Mm, There go my babies, Mm, right? And she would put it on our plate. But this is the thing: when you caught Miss Barbara Ann at the end of the line with the desserts, and not just any dessert—nobody don't want no just big cookie. No, Miss Barbara Ann had the doggone peach cobbler. Peach Carbler is not about just the peaches, no. It's about the crust. (laughs) Mm. And this is the thing. You had to be in line when you sat down with other kids and they would look at your plate and wonder why their plate wasn't like that. Mind your business, man, mind your business. (laughs) Galatians chapter 10, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 for. I can't even get it out. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is God telling us to hook each other up. This is God telling us to look out for each other. And it's okay, especially for those who are believers. It, it is a benefit to be a part of the kingdom. You know, we, do we look out for others? Yes, but more so for fellow believers. And, you know, well, I, I, this is another benefit I want to tell you, and this is a little more serious, right? Um, but back pain, that's the most horrible type of back, back pain that you'll feel. Right. For me, it really was. I remember like I guess two years ago when we did the Super Bowl of preaching, we, we did it like the, the old guys versus the young guys. And I didn't help matters because I was all bent over because my back was hurt, right? And so there was a lot of jokes. But I, I was hurting. And so Gabby took me to a chiropractor, right? The lady had to be from Russia because what she did to me wasn't American. <laughs> Let me tell you. And some of you have been to a catechrist, you might know. It was his table, right? And you're supposed to lay on the table. But this is the thing. It's not just an ordinary table. The middle of the table pops up. And you look like a caterpillar going over the table, right? And she pushed your back down and the table clicks and pops. You can feel it in your toes. It hurts, right? But if you think about it, that's how the kingdom of God is supposed to be. When you're going through something, we're all supposed to feel it, right? Because with back pain, I don't care what you do. I mean, you could sneeze, poot, laugh, it don't matter. You feel it. You feel it all. It's horrible. And But that's how we're supposed to be. When you are feeling it, I'm supposed to feel it. The Bible says we are to bear each other's burdens. I want to live life with you in such a way that I bear your birth. And this is the thing. I don't want to be in your business. That's your business. But I do want to live life with you because guess what? My times are coming. My times are coming. And I want you to come alongside me. And I, it's not about just, okay, bringing a bunch of words, saying what I did wrong, this and the other. Sometimes it's just by walking up to a person and giving them a hug and saying, man, hey, look, I'm here with you. I want to share in this with you. And and, and if we're real, some of us are in church here today because they need somebody to share in their pain. And you don't know where somebody can share in your pain in another place. So you're here today. And uh, while we're talking about benefits, of the church, This is a big one. You are a benefit to the church. I want to make that known. You are a benefit to the church. And I'm going to take, especially here at Crossroads, right? Because you have church that are on mission, but you have Crossroads, they're on mission like on steroids. We do everything, man. You can have a sermon about all the missions that Crossroads does. Y'all remember when Jason did that? I thought it was going to stop, then it just kept going, right, and kept going. I was like, this dude did a sermon off of a missions, of the works of the church, right? And that's amazing. But get this. God has given you talents, gifts, and abilities. When you are not here, the body feels that. We feel that. Remember, God made us to be in community together, so the work of the mission of the church is a shared responsibility. It's not just up to staff. It's not just up to the elders. It's up to all of us. We share in this responsibility, right? So we need you, and we are, we are not as effective when you are not here. We're not. And, you know, since, you know, I am the connections pastor, if you ever want to connect, you know, please feel free. I'll be standing out there uh, in the front because I want to connect with you. I I want you to know that you fit and that we see you. But sometimes you may have some barriers to connection. And you may come up to me and say, Titus, I don't feel connected. First thing I'm going to say, why? So you may need to take some time out to feel like why you're not connected here at Crossroads. Sometimes it means like getting in a, in a place and just saying, hey, is it me or is it the church? Why don't I feel connected? And I want to help you figure that out too. And another one, Titus, I'm too busy. I hear that a lot. I'm too busy. But you have to make connections with believers a priority. You see, one of the tricks or the schemes of the devil is to keep you busy. Because if I can keep you busy, I can keep you from being effective. Y'all know that? If I could just keep you busy. And when you're not effective, it keeps us off mission. It keeps us off mission. And another one, I don't know how to connect. Titus, I just don't know how to connect. That's why I'm here. That's why the staff is here. And we would love to have a conversation with you and talk to you about all the programs in the ministry of the church. Provide, But we also just want to talk about having a relationship. Sometimes when you come to a church, the first thing you expect, say, hey, they want me to do something. I don't want you to do nothing. I want you to feel that you fit here and that we love you for who you are here. I don't want you to feel like you have to come here and do something. You have to come here and do a great work. Is there a work that has to be done? Yes. But can we be in relationship first? Right. Can we have a relationship first? So we are in this series called Rally Cry, The Hills That We Would Die On as a Church. And you know, I'm always talking about like, you know, the positive aspects. This is what being connected means. But I want to talk to you about some things that would happen if you were not connected. For instance, if you were not connected in your marriage, guess where that marriage is going? To divorce, if you are not connected at work, guess what you're going to be? Unemployed, right? He didn't think enough to get the fries out the grease. You're fired, right? You got to be connected, y'all. You got to be all in. So what's the so what's the risk of not being connected to God? Our body becomes weak. Our body becomes weak. It's like trying to navigate or operate with a missing limb. That's what it's like when you're not here. And then second, we have to overcompensate. So you have the eye acting as if it's the ear or the arm acting as if it's the leg. We're not as effective. We're weak. So in being connected, we want you here because you fit and you belong. And God called us to be connected. So right now, I just want us to go to the Lord in prayer. And I just want to thank him for all the things that he's doing here at Crossroads. But I also want to thank him for the fact that we're connected, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your many, many, many gifts, Lord, many blessings, Father, Lord, as a church. Father, and I just want to thank you for the people here at Crossroads, Father, Lord, and how we are connected to one another, and we want to do connections better. But we also want to make sure that we stay connected to you most and foremost, Father. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. And please continue to guide us and lead us. It is in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.